Great day, amazing humans. Yes, welcome to Empowered in My Skin, the podcast. My name is Inkeaching Walter Robinson, and I am founder and CEO of Empowered in My Skin, an experienced technology executive with one of Canada's largest financial institutions, an author, an international federation of bodybuilding pro athlete, an inspirational speaker, and a viral sensation as my You Matter speech has hit over 6.5 million views worldwide. This show is all about thriving. And I will be bringing on some amazing humans that own their thrive to help you figure out how you too can own yours. So please leave a review on whatever platform you're listening to this on and make sure to join along on the web at empoweredmyskin.com so you can be notified when new episodes are available. For now, I'm your girl. Let the show begin. Great day, amazing humans. Welcome to Empowered in My Skin, the podcast. I'm excited to intro my next guest, whose education and career has been in disability case management, where she specialized in neurotrauma from 1990 to 2013. After 23 years as an entrepreneur in the medical legal sector, she transitioned to become a certified executive and business coach. She coaches mid to upper management and C-suite executives to disrupt their habits of thinking using a science-based assessment that is based on metacognition. She's also the founder of the Women's Self-Care Conference, which launched in Ontario in 2018 in Toronto. And in 2019, she took her conference across Canada to empower all women that self-care is not selfish. She lives her life by her own unique design. She frequently speaks on self-care across Canada, has co-authored four books, and is working on a fifth. She recently launched an online course called How to Master Self-Care and Imperfect, the Heart-Centered Leadership Podcast. Put your ears together for this amazing human leader, Deb Crow. Yes! (laughs) Wow, what an introduction. Thank you. I'm like, where can I sign up for some coaching after that? So thank you. Thank you so much. We get to share energy together for like the next 35 minutes. Absolutely. Looking forward to it. And uh, I'll also be fully transparent with the guests because we'll have to swap. I was also on her podcast. And so, you know, I'll also share that link in the show notes so that you can check it out, how she interviewed me. It was so awesome. So tell us more about yourself. What can you tell us about your human, your brand, your person? I'm a lover of people. I'm like you. People energize me. I love to learn. I love to listen. And sometimes I just love the solace in the pause because that's where you observe. And I think you learn the most about people. I live my life by design. I practice what Mm -hmm. I preach. I believe uh, sometimes kindness can be taken for weakness. Mm -hmm. And that's such a such a cliche that I'd love to eventually dismiss in people's thoughts. I love to challenge people's thoughts as a coach. I have a lot of fun along the way. We get into some really great conversation. And if you ever invite me to have an intellectual stimulating conversation, I'm always in. 
<laughs> and she's leaning in too. I love this. So I am um, God's gift. I, I, my name in Kichinera, that is the translation, but I'm also energy. You know, I truly believe um, it's important in every experience that I bring. What is your great I am? Whole. Mm, I am whole. I love that. Yeah, I think I turned 50 four years ago and I think it's a unique age. I think it allows you to kind of draw the line in the sand and stepped over and say, okay, I'm, I'm heading into part two. And mm -hmm. I asked myself that I'm a yoga teacher. I meditate every day. And I think when you're whole, there's nothing left unturned. Ooh. And the journey to whole, how did you know you had arrived? When I graduated from my yoga teacher training, my yoga teacher said, you have one week to think about what I've taught you, what you learned and what you're taking away. And I, I didn't take that lightly. I really leaned into it and thought about it for a week. I, I grew up having a very tumultuous relationship with my mom. She did not have a good life herself. And she wasn't a maternal loving mom. So I had exposure from a very young age to abuse, physical, verbal, addiction, mental health. But they didn't call it all that back then. Mm -hmm. And there was no coping mechanism. The coping mechanism was pharmaceuticals and alcohol. And they didn't know what they didn't know. So if I look back now with educated eyes, wisdom, knowledge, and maturity there was no help. They didn't know. And so when I went back to my yoga teacher, I said to her, what I got from the training was I engraved my life with my mom on my heart. Mm -hmm. It was the first time I was able to speak about my mom without tears and I forgave my mom. So it was powerful. It is very powerful. There's a book that really started my self personal development journey, like that deep work called a return to love. And I think that's almost an essentially what you just, what you described, right? And in the book, she talks about love and hate, how babies were born into love and we learn hate. And, that, and that's just through all of the experiences that we have in life. And the true essence of finding our love is about being able to almost go back to all of those, those traumatic experiences and mm -hmm. almost replacing them with love and, and moving forward again from there. Well, and I think I was blessed along the way too. I, my dad's mom, my Irish Nana, absolute riot. I know <laughs> I got my faith, my kindness, my values, my beliefs. Um, I always lead with a kind heart. I don't get attached to outcome and, you know, kind of, Hey, I'd give you the shirt off my back kind of person. She, she gave me a lot of experiences, but I think the biggest gift I got from my mother, the blessing was that I learned to be alone at a young age and not see it as a negative thing. And I used to daydream and think if I have kids, I, I'm going to be the mom that I wanted to have. So I never put any expectation on my life. Like it wasn't like, okay, I want to be in this career at this time and I want to be married and I want to have kids. It was like, 
whatever, I'm going to ebb and flow through this and be open and started my company at 24, just had my 30th anniversary at the end of May, got married at 27, baby number one at 30, baby number two at 31 and just kept ebbing and flowing (laughs) and the love you have for your kids is immeasurable. And I became the mom that I wanted to have. And all I know is love and maternalness. And I think if, you know, anybody that you would ask about me, they would, that's how people describe me because I, I would do anything for anyone, but on the same token with healthy boundaries, because I don't, I don't put myself, you know, to E on empty anymore, hence the live life by design. But like you, I'm a big proponent of agape love. And I think when we see the good, the bad, the indifferent in life with agape, mm-hmm. it's a good lens to, yeah. to look through. Yeah, I agree that it actually gives you a lot of capacity. And I wish more people would actually just try it to see, to actually experience that. I love yeah. that. Yeah, you have to make a lot more room to actually, I think, move contrary to love, in my opinion. Well, you do. And you have to, you have to move out of being a systematic thinker and especially with diversity and inclusion. Now, everybody's different in their own right. And we all have different feelings and emotions and opinions. Mm -hmm. And that's how we learn Mm -hmm. from each other. Mm -hmm. And I love learning new things. I love trying new things. I love getting someone else's perspective through their lens of what it looks like. Just because we do it that way, it doesn't mean it's the right way. Right. So it's, it's almost like that unlearn, relearn model as an adult. And I just find the more I get to do it, the more openness that I have. My kind of human, man. And we're already about eight minutes in. And I think, I think listeners are getting a sense of who you are. But I'm going to ask you, because uh, as Maya Angelou says, our legacy is left in every experience. And this is an experience that we are sharing together as well as now everyone that's listening what do you want to be known for at the end of this podcast such a good question it's a good question and it's a hard question that I was approachable kind-hearted and I always took the time to listen I believe life isn't about stature house, car, the money you make, the job you do. I think at the end of the day, if you treat people the way you like to be treated and you pause and you listen, like really listen, that's what I want to be known for. You just touched my heart. So when we first had our interview, we were in quarantine, weren't we? Mm -hmm. And we still are. So now I get to ask you, what has Deb learned about herself in quarantine? You know, I have to admit, and I'll put this in context, I have loved COVID-19. I have loved it because I have been on the bandwagon, on my soapbox, talking about self-care since 2008 and then made my soapbox even higher when I got out of disability case management because I was so sad being that generalist, helping those people that were sick, injured, traumatized, palliative, and I lost a lot of people. Mm. What I love the most about COVID-19 is people have had to stop, Mm. pause, reflect, 
and self-care has become a forefront word, verb, noun, action. And that, that just makes my heart swell. It's kind of like if I could be this pillar or oracle of light and I could, you know, put it all over the globe, if it took COVID-19 to do it, I'm not happy that that was the outcome yeah. or the way we had to get there but I know it's helped a lot of people and CEOs and executives are starting to realize that not only is it logistical, it's fundamental to have self-care and model self-care, especially with all the teams being at home now remotely. Yeah. And I totally agree with that. If I think about how much my leaders have actually talked about us encouraging people to take time and, you know, make sure that they understand that their schedules can be flexible and make sure you're checking in with your people. Like it took this for us to be doing some of those vital things that we should have been doing. <laughs> yeah. well, exactly. And I think people are valuing their health yeah, more. more. I didn't like the schedule I was on before COVID. I was busy and, you know, don't get me wrong. I was grateful to be busy, mm -hmm. but am I getting more done not leaving my beautiful home office? Yeah. yeah. And I've so, met, I've met amazing people since March. Yeah. I mean, the internet's a beautiful thing, right? Right. And what I'm hoping is, you know, obviously with the hustle and bustle eventually when, and if that returns to that same scale, my hope is that there's a hybrid that people recognize that their life, there's a hybrid approach to what they can do to ensure that they still maintain some self-care. That's my hope. Well, I volunteer at hospice and I haven't been able to be there. And when I did go every week, I would have the honor and privilege of being with someone at the end of life. And, and people had two scenarios. They either had nobody there and we're going to die alone or they had a lot of family. So my time has always been spent with the people at end of life with no one. And when someone says, could you hold my hand? And I need to tell you two things. Live your life and speak your truth. And I leave there on Tuesdays at lunch and I walk out the front door and I always look up. It's like, I call it a goose bumpy moment. The Hallmark channel calls it God winks. <laughs> and, it, and it's like, you know, when you know that you're in the right place at the right time mm -hmm. and it reaffirmed to me, I'm a servant leader in all mm -hmm. that I do, whether I'm a coach, a mom, a wife, a friend, a client, a volunteer, mm -hmm. I'm a servant leader. So I have to ask you a question and I thank you for actually just taking us there. I didn't know that you volunteered at a hospice. And it is my belief though, that the graveyard is probably one of the most expensive places on the planet where there's been so many dreams that did not come to fruition, right? Just buried. In your experience, have you seen more people saying, yes, I lived, I was here or more that, you know, sort of dying with regret and, and could have, would have, should have. Unfortunately, the latter. So how do we flip it? Like, how do we get people to wake up every day fired? I, this morning, I listened to the song, I Was Here by Beyonce. If you've never listened to it, please. And if you take in the lyrics, you probably will make it part of your day every day. I think we shift it by modeling it. Mm. And a good example is my podcast. 
I, I'm reaching out to leaders and I'll be transparent. The first one that I reached out to, I wrote the email and I saved it in my drafts for five days. Self-sabotage. thought She doesn't know who I am. And she's not, you know, I did, I, I did all that, right? We do the roller coaster and then it was like, hit the send button, be done. 15 minutes later, I got a response. I would love to be on your podcast. And I was like, yeah, it's going to be a good podcast. And that was it. I got over her and I have asked, I made a list of a hundred people and other people like yourselves, other people had said, you need to have this person and this person. So I added them to my list. And what I love about it is they love having an intellectual stimulating conversation because that's who I am. And at the end, when they say, thank you for being a gracious host or say something like that, that's my God wink to keep going. I love that. And it is an amazing podcast. And I, and just because we're talking about it, you are right. I, I had that experience. I know I felt very light. I enjoyed, I, I mean, we talked a lot about love, you know, heart-centered leadership, but you know, the, a lot of what I shared was really from love. And I remember leaving there, just subscribing and then, <laughs> and then just, um, feeling very light and you have put out some really really great episodes and so I'm encouraging people to listen to your podcast yeah you know it's like anything else you you bring your richness your life experience who you are to yours I'm doing the same with mine that we're drawn to different experiences and different personalities and like you said different energy yeah and it's just fun. Like yeah. I love meeting and talking to people. I mean, I was speaking to someone in Australia last night. Today I interviewed the president of our local college and I could have talked to him all day. And he's like, Deb, I gotta go. And I'm like, I know. Because they bring so much to the yeah, conversation and, and, and you hear about their life and yeah. it's like, wow. Like, yeah. So what we're doing is fun. So let's get into more fun. So you're pretty much in it now because you just came to life as you start to talk about your podcast. But I want to talk about more. I, I mean, I know the things you've you share that really keep you in your thrive and why you're doing what you do. But explain to people, because maybe to your earlier, what we were talking about earlier is people need to know what it feels like to be in that thrive, in that, you know, that energy of just, you know, creating every single day. So what does it, what does it feel like? How can you describe what it feels like to be in your thrive? How would you describe it? You just, you don't wait to step into your greatness. You mm. wake up with that mindset. Ooh, don't and it's wait. like, it's like today's the day. What are we going to do to rock the day? And it's so funny because most people say my full name, like it's one word, like <laughs> Deb Crow, like we're going to Deb Crow the day. My kids will even say, we're not in the mood for the Depp Crow motivational. And I'm like, you're getting it anyways. Today's the new day. We're going to crush it. And, but you know what? Owning your thrive means allowing space for the valleys because we mm -hmm. all have valleys. Yeah. We're going to mm -hmm. have bad days. There's other days where other people can affect our thrive. It's, it's learning to accept, ride through the valley, and just know that tomorrow's a clean slate. You can wake up and do it all over again. Not every day is going to be perfect, but don't attach to the outcome. It's, it's how we choose 
to react with something. I always mm -hmm. say to my executive clients and my CEOs, common sense, you're mm -hmm. right, this is common sense, but is it common practice? Yeah. And then they look at me with the dumbfounded look and go, well, no. If we always lead with logic mm -hmm. instead of emotion, mm -hmm. there's less valleys. Yeah, I love that. I heard the other day, great, great quote when somebody, one of my guests was talking about that. My response is my responsibility. When he was talking about how I choose to respond, how I choose to show up. And it's, it's true. You own that. You have to own that. So I'm excited about this next question because I believe this is going to be an educational moment. So what are your daily habits to help you stay empowered and thriving? And you know, we're talking about self-care. <laughs> oh, it's my middle name. <laughs> I, I am a self-care diva. <laughs> and it's funny because my family, they know. So morning routine. And I, I've got less stringent in terms of timing. I used to be the Robin Sharma 5am'er for like two decades. And when I hit my 50s, I let it slide to 5.30, sometimes it's 6. And since COVID, I've been letting it be 7. I've allowed a little flexibility. So when I wake up, the first thing I do is I am a big proponent of the five minute journal. It was gifted to me on my 50th birthday. So I've been doing it for four years. I then move for 20 to 30 minutes. That could be running, it could be a walk, it could be biking, it could be yoga. It's whatever I feel like doing, but it's moving the body. And then I spend 10 to 15, sometimes 30 minutes meditating. I set my intention. So in yoga, the Sanskrit word is Sankalpa. So I think about something I'm working on or if I'm having difficulty with something or I need to be creative, I set my Sankalpa for the day. And then I add in what I call a little bonus. And I always ask whoever, higher power, whoever needs to be on my path today, allow them to be on my path and allow me to serve them. Oh, that's beautiful. And then um, I usually have a coffee. I do not watch the news. I watch the news once a week. I only feed what I need to stay up to date because I, to me, COVID's like 9-11. It, it can succumb you. And I, I listen and read enough to stay updated for my city and my country. And that's it. Other than that, I, I just give myself time in the morning to think. I look at my day. I get excited for who I'm coaching, who I might be interviewing for podcasts. But every day, I allow myself 30 to 60 minutes for what I call the think hour. And I just do that. It's a table with a pad and a pen. And it's like, okay, what do I want? What am I thinking about? And I'm a vivid visionary. So I'm now I'm working six months ahead of, of my timeline. So it's like, what am I foreseeing for 2021? Where do I want to be? What am I doing? And I just do mind maps on paper. And then I start my day. I eat, get ready. And I'm in my home office. So when people say, how are you managing COVID-19? It's not a change for me because I've been coaching in my home office since I closed my, my case management practice. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm just traveling the world now with the podcast mm -hmm. and that's, that's kind of fun. Yeah, that's right? true, right? Yeah, that's like true. I'm all over the world and there's no air miles and that's no true. jet lag. That's it's true. awesome. That's true. That's true. <laughs> and you, one of the things I love that I once said on a podcast 
and I'm going to say it because I hope the listeners get it, gets excited. Getting excited is a form of self-care. 100% it is. Um, Health, you know, self-care is, it's whole. When you said, I am, I am whole. Mm -hmm. You have to look at all the elements of self-care. You know, your mental, your physical, your social, environmental, like it's the whole gamut. And emotional self-care is getting excited. It's keeping yourself active, engaged. We always have to have something to go for. Right. If we're not working on something, then we're sitting idle. And when we sit idle, we we become complacent, right? And that's where people say, well, I'm sitting on the couch and I'm overeating and I got the COVID-15. And I mean, you've heard all this too. (laughs) And and they're like, are you? And I'm like, no. (laughs) I was like, oh, hell, I'm going to be better coming out of quarantine. (laughs) I was like, watch me. Yeah. So what is the most important thing you've learned in your life and how do you apply it? Forgiveness. When did you learn it? I think, I think it was the final installation was graduating from the yoga training. Um, I think I carried that burden of my mom for a long time. And forgiveness allows us as humans to have space, mm-hmm. emotional space, if you don't have space to think and be, you get in this cyclical pattern of just doing and doing and doing, which 90% of my clients do. And when you're doing, there's no time to stop and pause to be, because when, you, when you're in full wholeness and being, you have to think. And when you think, you feel. And when you feel, you reminisce. And it's that whole, you know, it's that whole lean in that we talked about years ago, um, Cheryl Sandberg from Facebook, you know, it's okay to lean in and be vulnerable and say, this feels really awful. It's part of being whole. You have to acknowledge the good, the bad and the indifferent, or you don't grow. And uh, (laughs) it's funny. I, I, a lot of people probably think forgiveness is one of the hardest things to do. Oh, it is. It is. It absolutely is because you become a systematic thinker and go, well, it really wasn't my fault. Yeah. Right. (laughs) You know, and then I, I, I go through this as a coach and I'm sure, you know, you're a supervisor. Human capital is the hardest to manage, to lead, to negotiate, and you have to lead by example. And that's where the listening comes in. Mm -hmm. I know how you feel. And I think people are finally starting to say and feel and acknowledge that they're grieving. Outside of global grief with Mm COVID-19, I do a lot of facilitation of grief and bereavement groups. Mm -hmm. Grief is the start of the line. Mourning is the end. And it's the hardest distance because it's not a straight line. There's no timeline for it. And a great example is if someone passes away in a marriage, I often hear in grief and bereavement groups, well, John just lost his wife, you know, six months ago and he's already dating. There's no room 
for perception or judgment. And people are in charge of their own heart. And when the heart and the mind are aligned again, and they've moved from grief to mourning, mm -hmm. it's their decision to love again. Mm -hmm. And I always ask a question and I say, if your loved one was here, would they want you to be sad, depressed, grieving and alone? Or would they be happy that you found someone else to love? Mm -hmm. And how do you know it wasn't a God wink and they didn't make that happen? Yeah. So it's giving, it's much like you in your leadership position. Mm -hmm. It's giving other perspectives of diversity, yeah. inclusion. Yeah. Another great example of DNI, right? Yeah. And we're not meant to judge, but yeah. <laughs> it's, our, it's our first emotional <laughs> response, judgment, perception. Mm -hmm. So put the emotion in the back pocket, listen, mm -hmm. and lead with logic. Yeah. It'll always land you in the right space. Yeah. Very profound. Thank you. So in being empowered in, in, in my skin to me is it almost outwardly looks as if you carry a lot of courage. And so you are certainly um, a human, a woman who's very empowered in the skin that she's in. When in your life have you needed courage? <laughs> well, we don't have enough time. <laughs> um, I wasn't expecting you to say that. <laughs> you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say, I don't think you would ever get to the top of that mountain no, and throw the flag right. in and You're say, right. hey, because you know what? Then that means that ego's taken over. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to say, I think we all need a little bit of courage every day mm -hmm. because we need to be united as human beings. Mm -hmm. If I said to you, I do everything perfectly every day without courage, my nose would grow, <laughs> right? No, every, I think, I think we need courage. I think courage is when we're uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. I think courage is writing that email to the first lady I wanted on my podcast and going, just send the send button. It's okay. What's the worst that can happen? She's going to say no. But what if she says yes? We do this back and forth in our own minds. So courage for me, I don't think it's a badge of honor. Mm -hmm. I think it's a daily practice. Because if you say you're courageous in something, Mm -hmm. It means that you had to adapt to have the courage to do it. So it's courage is in my toolkit, but I pull it out every day and I exercise it. Okay. Mm -hmm. Because when I, when I keep doing that, it's kind of like when you get on stage, here's a great example. Mm -hmm. I always still get butterflies in my stomach and I can hear my Irish grandma going, you know why you got the butterflies in your stomach? because you care and you're leading with your heart and your ego is in check. When the butterflies disappear, yeah, we, we, got a, we got a problem. <laughs> yeah, we got a problem. I've heard that before. Yeah. <laughs> so I like courage. Courage is in my toolkit. It's in my arsenal. And I pull it out every day when I call someone who's farther down the line than me. And I think they're just a person. Make the phone call, send the email. The pair to courage for me is patience. So when in your life have you needed patience? Every day. It, mm -hmm. Is patience not the cousin to courage? A patient person is an attentive listener. But look at our world today. 
patience is one of the one things that most humans are not willing to actually <laughs> wait around for. <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> well, and patience is a learned behavior. Mm -hmm. And when you add in a pandemic, volatility, uncertainty, complexity, ambiguity, you know this from being a leader, the VUCA model, mm -hmm. patience is, it's, it's as thin as tissue paper. I don't think I've ever, it's interesting. That's a very interesting perspective because I don't think I've ever looked at it as a learned behavior. I think for me, it's, um, I've always described it. And now that I'm thinking about it, it probably is the same. I've always recognized that there, my life is an example of showing that everything that's supposed to happen always happens just maybe not in the time frame that I expected. So maybe that's the learned behavior. I'm learning that it actually always happens. It's just, I've never really looked at it like that. I've always said that, you know, I just, I have the faith that something's going to happen. Which is the same as me. So you have the mindset, you set the goal. You're not attached to the outcome because you're not giving it a timeline. You just know it's going to happen the way it needs to happen. It'll, it'll, I always say it'll unfold and unpack mm -hmm. as it's supposed to. And it could be good. It could be bad. It could be indifferent. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's like that old cliche. Again, I learned this from my grandmother. People will come into your life for a lesson, a season or a reason. Don't overanalyze it. If they come and they go find the lesson. If they come and they go find the reason. Love that. If they come and they go. You were only supposed to be with them for a season. A divorce is a, is a good example of that. I've had many executives who are on a second marriage and they either co-partner, co-parent, if you will, with their children, very amicably, or they're still this towering inferno. And I always say you were meant to be together for that time to bring these children into the world. And now the reason is to co-parent with love. The lesson is you realized you weren't meant to be together. And the season is the actual duration of time. But people, you know, impatient, overanalyze, perception. Just take some time to sit and think. Mm. There's, there's a lot of wisdom in solace. Yeah. And, and silence is powerful. Yes. It, it, you know what? I wish I, I need to learn that more. Sometimes I've been guilty of trying to fill the space, you know, especially in arguments sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> Silence is very powerful. I was just practicing that just now. I want to just let that sink in. I, I knew that. I knew that. <laughs> but I bet you everyone's like, What's going on? Why I know I picked, I picked up on your cue and I'm like, we're going for the pause. <laughs> we're going for the pause. It is. It's very powerful. Let's sit in that. Silence is actually very powerful. It is a form of language. It is. It's a nonverbal cue. Yeah. And, and you can learn a lot. Yeah. I mean, in yeah. interviews and in meetings, even on Zoom, mm -hmm. you know, I've said to my managers, you still need to look your staff in the eye. It's important. Yeah. It's, we all need to be seen and heard and valued and loved. It doesn't matter where we are or who we with. That's all we want every day. Yeah, it's that validation. Yeah. 
So if in 150 years, science fails to save us all, and all that is left is a book about your life, it might be book number six, seven, eight, maybe 27 or so, what would the title be and what would the blurb tell us about Deb Crow? Oh, the title would be How to Master Self-Care, for sure. <laughs> lessons, lessons from Deb Crow or lessons from the self-care diva. It would be something with humor and wit. Like I said, all my pediatric clients used to call me Deb Crow and, and their parents would go, we're trying to get them to call you Deb. And, and, and now adults do it, including my own children. So my first name is Deb Crow. Like it's just, it's one word. <laughs> it's the Deb Crow way. Um, I, I love, I would love to have the alignment of and the association to self-care because I think I've helped a lot of people and I think I model that behavior and I get some really beautiful message from different people you know, through social media that say, I really needed this today, or thanks for the gentle reminder. And, and, and to me, that's just, when I lie my head down at night, it makes me feel like I'm doing a good job. Yeah. Tell me, what does it mean to be ridiculously human to you? I like that. Ridiculously human. Always surprising people. Always, mm -hmm. you know, you know, the cliche of, over deliver. Mm -hmm. Don't over promise and under deliver. Just be that person that you speak about, that you see, that you bear in witness. Because I often have people say, I've never had anybody say that or do that or be that person, but with healthy boundaries. Mm -hmm. Because I find when people do too much or they, they can't say no, that's a, a value system for them. And you can overextend yourself when really it's, it's your self-worth right. because I can tell you from all the work that I have done in neuroscience, 60% of people have a wall of resistance up and it's really hard to get it down. And there's a guardedness and it's, it's remnant of a life experience, a work experience, something that's been episodic in their life. And when you get the wall of resistance down and you just get to have that person, that's being ridiculously human. And I get to witness that every day in my clients. And that's why I love coaching. Do you think that the period of COVID-19 quarantine, this uprise in race, and do you think it's helping with that or is, is it pushing us further into resistance? That's a very good question. I think it's both. And I think it's geographical and I think um, different leaders have different leadership styles. Uh, I got asked today if I felt leadership was different in the private versus the public versus the nonprofit sector. And I said, absolutely. But geographically speaking, it's because of the leadership. I see some cases where it's bringing people closer together. Mm. And like you, and I see others where I think the behavior is just exploding and, and not in the right way. And I, and I certainly know that's not the world I want my children to grow up in, my grandchildren someday. Um, it, we need someone to step up and, and take the helm of this and change things because 
this isn't why we were all put on the earth to not get along with each other. And again, it's perception, misinformation, uh, information being misconstrued. Mm -hmm. And I think it has to stop. Yeah, I'm with you. So I'm going to go into uh, rapid thrivers. So these are five questions that, um, you know, I'll ask that you answer as quickly as possible. So when you okay. think of, when you think of someone who is, you know, truly empowered in their skin and thriving, who comes to mind? Oh, he's not alive anymore, but that was Nelson Mandela for me. Yeah. <laughs> I, if I could have dinner with that man and sit and pick his brain, that would be my wish. So if and when I get up through the pearly gates, <laughs> I've, already, I've already manifested that I want him to greet me. And that's my first dinner. Yeah. Incredible. I could talk to you all day about him. Uh, what book has helped you with your thrive and sense of empowerment? I really loved Robin Sharma's 5AN Club. Uh, I have followed him for a long time. Mm -hmm. And I was really taken back that he did it as a story and, and threaded a lot of his knowledge mm -hmm. from the decades of his life. And I've actually bought that book and given it to a lot of people because it's just, it's so simple, mm -hmm. but it's that simple doesn't always fall into practice. And it's just a fun read. And I'm a big fan of him. And I know you're an avid reader. What book are you reading right now? I have, uh, I always have two books on the go. Mm -hmm. I have one for fun and one for business. So I just got Melinda Gates's new book. I saw that on Instagram. <laughs> I just, I just started that on Sunday and then I bought myself just a little fun novel from Indigo under their beach section for my <laughs> holiday, which starts right after this podcast. Oh, nice. It's okay. Just a, just a fun, light story to read. And I try and give myself a bit of reprieve from yeah. the heaviness when I yeah. on vacation yeah. yeah i like that so let me hurry up and get you on your vacation what is the daily activity i think we know this that helps you with your with your thrive meditation mm -hmm. what is an app on your phone that helps you with your thrive spotify oh music or podcast or both both <laughs> yeah when i'm riding my bike or running mm -hmm. Definitely playlists, and I love that other people upload theirs, and I love all the different diversity and genres of music, but I do go for a long walk once a week, and I'm like you. I am a podcast junkie. Yeah, I love podcasts. And what is, a one, what is one misconception that people have of you as they see you in your Thrive? That's a hard one. I'm gonna, you know what? I'm going to go back to what we started with, um, that kindness can be a weakness. Okay. Mm -hmm. It's not. It's not. It's my greatness. Mm -hmm. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. It's ridiculously thriving. Mm -hmm. Finish the sentence, Deb. What the world needs now is equanimity. Ooh, I wasn't expecting that. Thank you. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yes, it's been a pleasure. And I want to take you back to the beginning where you said, and I asked, what would you like the listeners to be left with? And you said that I was approachable, kind-hearted, and took time to listen. I took time to listen, but I know that you listen back and I know that you do. And you you achieved all of that and you are such an amazing person and you are your your experience is definitely evident that you've been listening 
Thank you. I, I look forward to the post COVID-19. Yes. When we can get together. Physical <laughs> hug. Hugs so that we can like. <laughs> yes, me too. Maybe we'll have masks on, but we'll draw like Sharpie smiles. And then oh, I, we'll... I, I, I smile through my eyes. So you'll there see. You go. There you go. <laughs> me too. Me too. So where can we find more of you online? Deb Crow. Crow with an E just means I'm Irish.com. Mm-hmm. And your podcast? Imperfect. Uh, it's on all the uh, platforms, Apple, Spotify, Anchor. Uh, awesome. and, it's, and it's also, on, they, can, they can sign up and get it right on my website. And it's Wednesdays and Fridays at 1. Awesome. And I will put all of the links in the show notes. And to everyone that's listening, I'm glad that you stayed and watched and listened to us share energy with each other. But this is where I say, we're out. <laughs> So there you have it. I hope you're thriving and thoroughly enjoyed this episode. And remember, whatever platform you are listening to this on, please subscribe, like, review, and share this podcast with someone else you think can benefit from the tips that were delivered. As Tom Billy says, when we help others think in a way that is empowering, that is the lead domino to create real change in this world. It's been awesome hanging with you. I'm your girl. And 